properties are cozy and snugged. We own many properties. Why is that important? Because that's one way how to make money. And that's one way how to feed your family. I love it. Good job. All right. There we go. We're fucking getting somewhere now, boys and girls. All right. Hey, boys and girls. Cool cats and cool kittens. (laughs) Excuse me. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you and say thank you for joining me here at the uh, Black Wall Podcast. My name is Stephen Lee. I am here to facilitate a conversation and a platform where um, black and brown people from across the world can share common uh, experiences of investing and specifically investing in areas of people that look like us. Um, I started investing in myself through learning a trade when I was 16 years old, learning to cook, so the culinary arts. I used that knowledge and skill to later on in my life start by investing in a food truck, which was a a great opportunity in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Around, I would say, what is that, maybe 2013, uh, 2015, maybe that area, somewhere in that, that range. And I was able to use that uh, cash flow from the toasted cheese food truck to start my investing career. Um, I'm still a, tr- a chef by trade. I love cooking. I love being a chef. Um, and I think it's important to be able to have a, a career outside of investing for me. But this podcast and um, these memoirs and these uh, stories and journals, if you will, are based upon my investment life. I have children. Um, my life is not perfect. It's not the story tale. I'm not here for the influencer kind of feel. Um, I have multiple children by multiple women. Um, my credit is not amazing. I'm not what you would typically think of as an investor. But I think that's really important for me to be able to share my story and share that it's possible for people like me and that come from similar backgrounds or have similar stories that I have. I think that a lot of times uh, when you're looking for information on how to better your life or how to get into the investment space, I think a lot of times it becomes kind of scary because people are using words that maybe you don't understand or don't know offhand and people are always trying to sound smart. They're trying to sound like they know what the fuck they're talking about. And the truth is, is that when we all are investing and we all start and even even when we're seasoned investors, we don't really know what the fuck we're doing. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's all theory. It's all, you know, using your experience. You're using all the information you have in front of you. You're digging. You're trying to, you know, get the best picture. But no investment's 100%. So it's all actually theory, um, which is okay. 
But we all just need to come to the table and be honest about it that way. Um, my specific investment class that I prefer is real estate. I'm learning other ones. Um, I'm open to learning them. I think that all asset classes are important. And I think investing is investing. I think speculation is speculation. Um, but I do think it's very important that us as black and brown people start to educate ourselves more, talk about more, bring to the forefront, forefront more in conversation the topic of investing, not just saving, because there is a difference. I got my first glimpse of real estate investing through my grandfather, my poppy. And Poppy um, was, and is, because my grandfather's still alive, shout out Poppy. He's a hustler. He's always going to be a hustler. That's just, that's who he is. So my grandfather started off by being, uh, quick story, by being the uh, one of the guards on like the money train in New York, back when they used to collect tokens. This is before anything was digital. Um, so I want to say that's like the 70s. And so they used to collect the tokens and the money and my grandfather, you know, was doing that. And because of that, he had a, a firearms license and a pistol and um, which made him a superhero to me. But that's a whole nother story. Now, Poppy was a hustler and had all these kids and having the government job wasn't cutting it. So he wind up going and getting like a night school kind of situation and getting his mortuary uh, license. I believe that's what it's called to be a mortician, so to be an undertaker, as we all know it. And he was embalming bodies and doing that on the side after work in hustling for years, like a couple of years, he said. And he took that money from hustling and doing the bodies, you know, embalming the bodies on the side for other people who had, you know, full funeral homes. He was just moonlighting. And he was taking that money, and he wound up starting his own funeral home. Long story short, and he wound up leaving his job, after, you know, however many years so he can get a pension. And um, his boss supported him. And he told me about, you know, how he was able to talk to his boss about it. And his boss would let him out early on Friday so he could, you know, do the bodies. And I know this sounds crazy, do the bodies. But that's what my grandfather did, man. That's how he fed his family. You know, that's how he got the money to be able to invest in himself and invest in a family business and, uh, and financial freedom, man. My grandfather had to embalm bodies. That's a fact. And he had kids at home. He had multiple kids at home. I think by this point, he might have had three. You know, my mom was the oldest. Then her sister, Dorian, my aunt, Dorian. And then my uncle, Denard. Pretty sure he had all three of them by this point. And he was working a full-time job. Taking care of these kids. Wife was staying at home. And he was hustling and bombing bodies on the side in order to get the capital to invest in himself and start his business. That's just the truth. I don't need to put any sauce on it. I don't need to make shit up. It's all verified. It's all true. So that's what I was born into was that idea that fuck, man, if I got to embalm dead people to get about this situation, that's what I'm going to do. So anything less than that, man, it just kind of wasn't really like an excuse or like people looking down on you in my family as long as it was legal, you know what I mean? And even if it wasn't let me let me let me stop lying. 
It's not even if it was legal. As long as it wasn't illegal, I'll leave it there. If it wasn't illegal, can't nobody tell you about it the way I was raised. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. Just telling you how I was raised. So, given that outlook on life being born in the 80s, 82 to be exact, in in New York City, being raised in that environment in the 80s in New York, you saw so much poverty, you saw so much cutthroat and and um scarcity right it, it it was almost it was always like there's four people here but only three chairs my whole life and it didn't matter how much money people had that was just the environment that we were in you see what i'm saying there's never enough to go around in new york never and when you're when you're when you're raised with that outlook you look at business that way Once again, not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. Just giving you an outlook. So when I had my food truck, I knew that this cash and this trend was not going to last forever. I knew people loved food truck because of the movies and the shows and all that shit. But I knew they weren't. It's not like a restaurant. It's not going to last forever. You're not going to be able to have a food truck last 30 years and pass it on to your kids. I wanted something that was an investment. And a friend of mine, my best friend, Erica, Eric Starr, she showed me the difference between a family creating a job, like being able to create something that was able to give everybody like a family job, right? And that's what my grandfather did when he made the funeral home. He was made it so that everyone could have a job. If you needed a job, you could always work for my grandfather. But what I saw what Erica's dad did was he built a company, right? And whether you worked for him or not, if you were a member of that family, you were able to benefit from that company. You never had to work there a day in your life. And I thought that was pretty fucking cool. And that's what I wanted to create from the food truck. So that's what I did. Um... Myself and my youngest mother's or my youngest child's mother, Jen, we started that food truck together. And she was awesome enough to be able to trust me and follow the lead. And we wound up investing in in our first investment property, piece of real estate. And it 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 was a piece of real estate, boy. Let me tell you. I'm not sure you can call that a house, but it was a piece of real estate. It's completely burnt out. Fire damage. Yes, burnt out. Complete bando. It was off of Cleveland Avenue, also known as Cleveland Avenue, in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, there was an active, active gang safe house, few houses down, down the street. Um, one day, me and Jen pulled up, and, and we saw kids with, you know, Gang rags riding on their bikes with guns out. Yeah, just out riding down the street. Fuck it. So that'll tell you the neighborhood we were in. Okay. But that's not the reason that we bought it or didn't buy it. The reason why we bought it is because we got our first $10,000 check from working an event on the food truck. Right. Tomorrow world. In Atlanta, Georgia. And I knew 
from my past encounters with money and my past um, life with money that $10,000 wasn't going to last a year. I have four kids. I got all these responsibilities. $10,000 ain't going to last no fucking year. So what am I going to do with this money to make it last a year? Everyone was saying buy another food truck, right? Like that's the natural progression. Now you got two trucks and now you're the man and you got two trucks and da 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 I didn't sit right with me because as a chef, I remember I had the opportunity to have a dinner with Wolfgang Puck. And we sat down at dinner and what Wolf said one day was, um, well, you young chefs don't realize is that you're your own brand. Every time you go to an event, every time you cook, they remember you and your face along with the food, not the name of the chef that you were working for. Keep that in mind. And he said, most chefs, when they get a hit concept, they get one good idea, they get a great restaurant, and they naturally are trying to do that again. He said, but that's the worst thing. That's why you've never seen me duplicate restaurant concepts. He said, because if something goes wrong with one cuisine, now you've got four of that. What if people don't want to eat that anymore? He said, so always start an original new concept when you invest your money. I never forgot that. It was under the context of a restaurant. Like, don't open up four Mexican places if your first Mexican place was great. Don't, you know, that's stupid. Okay. But really, that's what most chefs are told to do. So if I had to hit food truck, everyone's telling me get another food truck. And I'm like, that just doesn't. Right. Because I'm supposed to be trying to get away from that trend. So when I tell you, everybody was looking at me like that. And I said, no, I'm going to go get some real estate. But I knew the $10,000 wasn't enough to get no real estate. I didn't think that was possible. And my mother, God be pleased with her soul. She said, Stefan. She said, you know, you can go find a house in Atlanta for $10,000. So this was maybe 2012, 13. Right? And she goes, you know, you can get a house in Atlanta for, for $10,000. It's a bando. It won't have nothing in it, but it's it's a piece of real estate. I said, what? She said, yeah, look up whatever website. Right? I don't get paid to plug nobody, so whatever website. And look and put it in Atlanta and do your search for under 10000 I did And a bunch of shit popped up. I was fucking shocked. I was like, what? Now, all of them are, like I said, bandos. There might be some wild shit going on in that neighborhood. There might not be no uh, functioning houses on that block. But you're going to own that real estate in the dirt and everything that comes with it outright in cash. So I said, all right, fuck it. Right? Because I know even if I buy the house and I just work on it little by little, year by year, I know I'm not going to lose that 10000 You see what I'm saying? That 10000 is just going to be parked in real estate. And over the years, it should appreciate. But even if it doesn't, it ain't going to. We ain't never going to see $10,000 houses in Atlanta, Georgia ever again. I knew that. You know, you know that. If you look at it, try to buy anything in Atlanta, Georgia right now, you wouldn't find six blades of grass next to each other to buy for $10,000 right now. You just wouldn't. It wouldn't matter what the fuck neighborhood is. Okay? So moving right along. So I buy it or I put it on the contract. I, my, my dumb ass. I didn't even know. So you just put it on the contract. Now I got the money. I'm waiting for them to do everything. I get the damn inspection on the property. I pay for everything. Like you, you know, they tell you to do waste of fucking money. 
You don't need to pay for a home inspection on a bando that's burnt out. You just need to know if the roof is good. Can you see daylight through it? The foundation okay? Is it crooked foundation? Is there water pouring through the crawl space or basement? Basic shit. Shit that you don't need to pay somebody four or $500 to look at. But I learned that later. The, the guy who actually did the inspection told me that later, but after you took my money, but that's neither here nor there. Now, we wind up getting to the closing table, right? And it's so funny because the same agent that we use for that first deal, I still use to this day. To Keisha Wood. Now, let me explain something to you. That will show you the importance of relationships, the importance of building a team, right? The same person I did my very first investment real estate deal with, I still work with today. She has handled my purchases and my sales for my whole family, right? That's very important. To never forget that. That's more important than any of the money I've made. Okay? Is that you get to see who's on your team and build from there. Now, we get to the closing table. I We signed a contract for 10000 Ready to go. You can't bring the money. You have to wire it. I didn't know any of this shit because I'm on some, some street math. So I'm thinking you bring 10000 to the closing table. Whoop-de-whoop. There you go. No, 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 no. So you're going to have to get cashier's checks or put it in an account and get it wired. It's, it, you, you'll learn that part. We'll talk about that part later. So I finally get to the closing table. And now they hand over this piece of paper. And it says appraisal. I know what an appraisal is, but I don't really know what an appraisal is. You see what I'm saying? Like I know the word, but I don't really know the application of an appraisal. So they just laid this over. And I'm looking. And she said, you got to sign that. And it says $56,000. I back up from the table. I go, whoa, 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 I don't have $56,000. Like, we agreed on $10,000. I don't know what y'all are trying to pull here with this one, but that extra $46,000, I ain't got. Jen's looking at me the same way. We're like, we ain't got that money. And the lady goes, no, 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 no. The lawyer, no, 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 baby. That's the appraisal. That's how much the house is worth. So that $46,000 is your equity. And I said, what? She says, yes, that's the money you made on the deal. That is your equity. That's how you build wealth. I said, what? I said, so I'm going to pay $10,000 and it's worth fifty six. She said, yeah, that's that's what the contract says. You pay ten. I felt like I robbed the bank in that very moment. I said, well, I looked at Jen. She knew what I was thinking. I said, wait. We're about to give these fucking people $10,000, and they're about to give us something that's worth $56,000. Man, we about to sign this paper, right? And it's all clear. Like, we don't own no bank. We ain't got to pay no shit every month. It ain't no funny business. No, this is straight up. I'm like, okay. Okay, so she said, this is how you build wealth. This is what's called equity. So now I'm, I'm like, we got to Keisha, right? She can put some shit on the contract for us. We got the food truck that can get the money to put the earnest money down and hustle up the rest of the money you need for the 30 days to cash out. Cause I can get 10,000, 5,000 in 30 days. I'm a hustler, right? And now I know that when we sign this paper and we find these properties, we're actually making positive equity and I'm building my net worth. 
Oh yeah, I was I was I was addicted. I was addicted straight up. I was addicted. Somebody might as well just put the fucking main line IV of capitalism right in my veins. Just I went off. Once a month I had something under contract for a, a year. And that's a fact. I brought my mother in on it. We created a company. Me and Jen bought a few. I mean, and, and I called every single fucking person I knew and said, yo, I've got the bank to be robbed right now. I did. I did. And that's the start. Is I was able to take that leap of faith and understand that I needed to take a cash flow in a great concept and a self-made job for myself and turn it into an investment. So in this podcast series that we're doing, I want to make investing accessible and simple for black and brown people so that we, you, we can use our skills and our labor and our intellect and our intellectual property and parlay that into investments, not just self-creating jobs. Because sometimes working for yourself is not fulfilling. Sometimes you want to do something, you work for somebody else to make yourself happy. Like me being a chef. I don't want to work for myself being a chef all the time. That's not why I got into cooking. But I do like the freedom of having financial freedom and not having to work for money. I like that. So I invest, right? And it's okay if you make more money in your investments than you do at work. That doesn't make you a stupid person or a bad person or or you're like, you have a boss, so now you're like some minion. It's okay. I work because I enjoy to work for someone else. I don't like working for me as much as I like working for someone else. I like Using my own money and investing my own money more than I like somebody else investing my own money for me. You know what I'm saying? I get more joy out of investing my money for me than I do out of letting someone else invest my money for me. But I don't feel that way about working. And that's okay. So I want to create a space where people can pass around knowledge and share from a space where we have other shit going on. We have kids, we have problems, we have uh, fun we want to go have, we have vacations we're going to take. We're not just sitting behind a computer all day in a phone trying to figure out how to fuck to impress other people to pay for my seminar or think I'm some kind of expert or every day I got to figure out how to work for myself and I don't have any guaranteed income. So therefore, everything is a hustle. Everything is a transaction. I don't want to live like that. But I can have money. More than a person that works nine to five. You can do both. So this podcast, the Blackwall podcast, is for that. It's for the people who want to have balance, who want to have investments, who want to have strategy, who want to learn. But don't feel like we got to be all in and wear suits every day and go to every networking function in my city to pay the fucking bills. Okay? This is also for the people out there who have capital, who have investments in 
non-traditional senses, right? Whether they be street capital, uh, dancing capital, uh, hair, nails, anything that people kind of frown upon like it's not real money sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Fuck them because that is real money. And those people who make that money are smart too. And so this is for you guys too because I was one of y'all. Still am. It's a hustler. A hustler is a hustler is a hustler. I'm not here to, to uh, judge what you hustle. As long as you're not hurting nobody in the community, I'm not here to judge what you hustle. And if you are hurting people in the community, that's between you and God. You really need to get yourself right. And this podcast can help you get yourself right where you not necessarily always dependent on a negative hustle. Take that and do something good with that shit. You don't got to always be negative. You can do a hustle the right way, too. So these are a couple little breadcrumbs and building blocks. And you know what I'm saying? Pitfalls that I hit that I'm trying to let people know are out there so they don't got to hit them, too. But also, I'm not trying to scare people. I'm not trying to sit here and act like, oh, this is so much harder than what you could get. The only way you're going to decode this is if you buy my book. Man, fuck all that. I ain't wrote no books. I don't even really read like that for real. But I take in information other ways. So, you look me up. I don't really know my socials and shit because I don't have all that situated yet. Um, But my name's Stephen Lee. It's all public record. Um, Atlanta, Georgia, um, Cleveland, Ohio. These are some cities that I invest in. Um, Everything's public, so you can pretty much see that I have, you know, skin in the game. I'm not just talking from a place of I don't own anything. I actually have made mistakes and I pay taxes and all this other shit. Um, Yeah, I'd like to thank... Everybody for giving me a shot, listening. Um, once again, this is the uh, Black Wall Podcast. We're uh, transmitting live from Atlanta, Georgia, from the Cinnamon Studios. I'd like to thank everybody once again for listening, and uh, catch you on the next round. Um, I think Daddy should make a lot of money so we can have more properties and make way more money than we're supposed to because I think making money means that we can uh, that we can expand more of our properties and then we can make more money by having um, better properties.